Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Well, welcome to the final service of this week, and what's been one of the best weeks of my life with my favorite town in America. Love you so much. What a hidden gem. I hope nobody ever finds out about this town so politicians don't ruin it for more electoral votes. Amen. Well, I wanted to play. I've, been, I've, I've sent the same thing to Ben that travels with me every uh, night and day and haven't played him. But when I've been waiting after church, we pastor a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and another church in um, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And when I have been waiting after church, you know, normally if you grow up in church, if you're the pastor and you wait out after, there's three or four people that have a complaint, sound was too loud, and the next person says the sound was too quiet, and they can't figure out that the guy that thinks it's too loud sits in the front row, and the guy that thinks it's too quiet sits in the last row. They could just switch seats. So, uh, but that hasn't been happening. I've been waiting after church, and somebody will come up and give the most outstanding testimony that I've ever heard in my life, or the lady that you're going to see, actually the first one we're going to play. This one I did play, but there's two more that I haven't. These are all within, within the last maybe 25 days, um, and I haven't even been home for the last, last seven days, so I mean very recent. This woman came in, wheeled in in a wheelchair. She wasn't paralyzed like a spinal cord injury. She had had seven strokes and hemorrhaging on the brain, so she was completely unable to move or talk or think, and uh, something hit her spirit when I was preaching. The Holy Spirit must have altered my words in her hearing because what she said, I didn't really say it like she said. I said uh, anything. I said, it's been 10 months because what we were in November. I said, anything from the beginning of the year that's been going on, it's been 10 months. Enough's enough. And, and, uh, you sh- you should, you should get your miracle today. Well, she had been going through that for 10 months. So when she heard that, she took it as a word from the Lord. I've had this 10 months. I'm getting rid of it today. So she stood up. That's a miracle, but she couldn't move. So she had her husband load her on her feet. She put her feet on his feet and he walked her backwards like this. In fact, tomorrow morning, if you're watching online, uh, I'm doing the seniors breakfast in Pittsburgh. I, I, we have a youth pastor and we have a young adults pastor, but I do the seniors group because I've always got along with older people because they're not uh, stupid. And so we're going to do that. When, 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 we, when, when I told everybody about that miracle, I was still blown away. Everybody at the seniors brunch lifted their hands and started to add into their perspective, like the person that greeted people and passed her a bulletin, how completely immobile she was. I'm telling you, I'm not hyping up a miracle. I, I am telling you, this is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. And I told you, I wasn't able to take it in stride. When she had her husband walk her up, I said, let's get her a chair because she was uh, literally the only way I could describe it would be if you caught a massive fish out of the ocean, like a, like an 80 pound fish, 100 pound fish. She had no ability to stand up. You know, like you'd have to hold up a fish. You had to hold her completely up. And then she was swaying hard. So I was thinking, if I get caught up in my prayer and forget that I'm holding her, she's going to have a major fall, and everything's on video camera now. When I started off in the ministry, nothing was recorded, so it was just my word against yours. I'd just say, I never prayed for that lady. She's nuts. But then now there's video evidence, so you have to be careful. So I, um, I held her up, and I said to Abraham and Pastor Abraham and Pastor Augustine, I said, get her a chair to sit down. I'm going to pray for her seated. And she very emphatically said, I'm not sitting down. And I told you, there's a certain tone a woman uses where you know arguing is useless. So I said, all right. So I held her back up. And uh, you know, it was all her faith. I was trying to get her seated. I'm the one that's supposed to be trying to get her to to stand up. 
And I prayed. And when I finished praying, I said to Abraham and Augustine, I said, stay with her and pray with her. Don't let her fall. My main thing was don't let her fall. Then I went on to the next person. As I'm talking to the next family, I see what you're going to see on the on the video. Somebody shot it with their phone right in time. And I'm telling you, as immobile as this woman was, to see her running full speed and jumping. You know, I'm a faith preacher. I'm supposed to go like this. Praise the Lord. I went like this. Like I was like an Episcopal that had never seen the Holy Spirit before. And uh, it was amazing. So I, I want you to see what, what, what Jesus did. It's pretty powerful. Go ahead and roll it, Ben. Um, I had seven strokes uh, back in March the 6th. And uh, that led to a lot of other things. Brain hemorrhaging, um, microbrain bleed, stage 2 kidney disease, uh, malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't run. I couldn't walk. I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down. I was confused. And, um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth. And this morning he had said something about, uh, 10 months and it's over. And it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine. And he said, healing, healing be all over you. And I said, that's mine. And I stood up. And I was unable to walk when I first came in, and I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over, it's over, it's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me, and just like it burst. And it felt like it just broke all the chains that were on me. And I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor, the doctors are going to say, what happened? It's not there. When I go for my MRI, they're going to say, your brain is not bleeding anymore. And I believe that it's healed in Jesus' name. There's no more. It's dried up. The blood is dried up like the woman with the issue 12 years. All glory to God. Thank you again for Jonathan Shuttleworth coming into this community and shining the light of God and breaking the power of evil and darkness. Amen. I like that lady. She looks so nice. She looks like she took everything that's on a Thanksgiving dining room table and just put it on as an outfit. Very nice. Very beautiful. So then that was three weeks ago. All the stuff that she said was true. The stuff she said by faith after she got touched that I believe my bleedings dried up and all the other stuff. She is completely discharged from needing any further. Now you think of this. If this was your wife or your mother, that she's going to be an invalid and you're going to have to take care of her the rest of your life. To go from that to up and around and running around, I mean, that is amazing. So then these next two ladies, they haven't been coming to the church that long. They came to the church and got saved. And then after I prayed the the sinner's prayer with them, I just went down the line and prayed a simple prayer and uh, laid hands on like the Bible says. And they came back the next week and they were waiting. I mean, it was one after another. I, I I'm, I'm staying after church just to get encouraged. By the time I talk to the third person, I feel like I have a ministry. Amen. So this one person, uh, we'll, we'll play them in order. And you see how broken up they are because they just got the news of what happened or they were unable to do whatever. So here, here's two more people from the church. Go ahead and roll it, Mr. Ben. Start from the beginning. My name is Carol Miller. I'm 55 years old in 2020. Out of nowhere, I got sick. Wind up with infection in his blood. Couldn't walk, couldn't move. Holding the cell phone was like a ton of bricks. A month later, infection in his blood touched my heart bell. My sister got me walking. My sister got me able to feed myself and help take care of the kids that I raised. Two weeks ago, I was here two weeks ago. And 
the pastors out there and put something through me that I have never felt in four years. And today I was able to run up and down a freaking gym. God bless me. God bless this place. God bless everyone. Thank you. Hi, church family. My name is Tamika Kendrick. My testimony for today is back in September, I was dealing with tumors in my stomach, losing blood, fibroids, and thyroids. I went back to the doctors last week, and my x-rays stated that everything was gone. It, it, was, it was gone. I, the first thing I had to do, I had to repent and leave it in God's hands because I was, I was the one trying to answer all the questions. And once I gave myself to the Lord, everything in my body, from my head to my feet, was healed through the x-rays. And I am so ever thankful to be standing here today. I love y'all. Thank you. So you have people come to church as visitors with four tumors in their body, and then they come back the next week and every tumor's gone. Well, you know what happens when they come back with more people? Because when, you know, when, you're, when you don't go to church and your mother goes to church wheeled by your father and comes back running in the house... You don't have much convincing to do about where to go. Now, I'm telling you, before Jesus comes back, and Jesus is coming very soon. I know people have been saying that. That's why it's sooner now. People say, do you still think Jesus is coming soon? I think he's coming so soon, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. Can you say amen? Everybody say, Jesus is coming soon. And he is. All of those, how, how insane is it for all those thousands of years ago, for the Bible to not just tell you that there's going to be a final war in Israel, but tell you in Ezekiel chapter 38, the exact nations that are going to be a part of the war, and they're all lining up right now. The bear will come out of the north. Moscow is basically directly north of Israel. If you look it up, or Jerusalem, you go on Google Maps, look up Jerusalem, then scroll straight up, and that's where Russia is. Do you know why Russia invaded Ukraine? It's not because they're trying to conquer Ukraine. They need access to the uh, 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 Black Sea. It's the, only, it's the only port they can use to fulfill that prophecy. You ever notice that that's why they're only attacking Eastern Ukraine? They want that port and they need it to fulfill Bible prophecy. When you see all that thing, all that stuff happening, A, you should do what you did tonight. You're in church on a Friday night, not at a club or home uh, fighting and drinking or whatever you did before. And B, you should make up your mind that this is not gonna be a one-off thing or a blip on the radar. I'm not from here, so I don't know who comes here regularly and who doesn't. But I would make up my mind that from, <laughs> from this point till Jesus comes, I'm going to be a very serious Christian. And by serious Christian, I don't mean no joy and no jokes. I've, been, I've only been here about eight minutes and I've cracked jokes and talked about people's outfits in a way that's not really correct to, to do as a pastor. You can have fun. You can have joy. But, but you should not let anything get in between you and God. Can you say Amen. That's not the devil's decision. That's not God's decision. That's your decision. The, the theme scripture of this church, this is Choose Life Church. What scripture do they get that out of? Today, I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, this is God talking. Today, I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. Death is a choice. Life is a choice. Curse is a choice. Blessing is a choice. God's done everything in his power for you to walk on the right path. And if you, whatever help you need, the Bible says as many as receive him, to them he gives power to become the sons and daughters of God. God will give you all that. But you have to decide. And you have to make a definite decision. I uh, preached Sunday morning, and I think I preached on it Sunday night when I came here, about making a deliberate departure from the world. 
The world is going in the wrong direction. You need to do everything in your power to go in the exact opposite direction of the world. I'm not preaching against uh, Taylor Swift con concerts. You know, I don't go to Taylor Swift concerts, not really because I'm a Christian, but because I'm a 43-year-old heterosexual male. <laughs> Even if I wasn't in church, you know, it'd be kind of weird if I was there. Like, hey, get, get out of here, Grandpa. But, you know, I, ju I just see the Bible says you have not received the spirit of this world. You have received the spirit of Christ. There's people even in the ministry. They do Sunday and then they live just like the world. They drink and it's all coming out. They're all losing their ministries. I, th I think three people have lost their ministries, big ministries, since I've been here this week. That's what the Bible says. You're going to see that happen, that many will depart from the faith. You can't depart from Hobbs, New Mexico. I'm going to depart from Hobbs, New Mexico in a few hours. But to depart from Hobbs, New Mexico, where do I have to have been at least one time? Hobbs, New Mexico. So when the Bible says people are going to depart from the faith, it doesn't mean that sinners are going to get more sinful. It means there's going to come this relaxed attitude in, in believers. Ah, you, you can drink. Ah, you know, uh, everybody does that. Nobody actually lives that way. You need to take a stand to buck every one of those trends that you can live soft. The Bible says that you should be doing the exact opposite leading up to the coming of the Lord, keeping a close watch on your life. You know, I fast and pray. Uh, we had, had 4,000 people join us in fasting and prayer online last year. We're doing it again January 2nd through the 22nd. You could actually join us because we'll be in Fort Worth every night except Wednesday nights. So we're going to do it simultaneously in Pittsburgh and Fort Worth except Wednesday nights, and I'll be... Uh, wherever I feel like being either night. I'm going to just bounce back and forth between Pittsburgh and Fort Worth and not tell anybody where I'm going. So you could join us or you could join us online. Do you know how many people knock fasting and prayer? I'm talking in the ministry. You don't have to fast and pray. Anything people do by fasting and prayer, I can do it by my faith. And then they'll almost make it like people that fast and pray have like a lesser revelation and are legalistic. There's one guy. He's a faith preacher. I love him. But he says that. Anything these people do by fasting, I can do by my faith. Fasting is something you do out of faith. It's not punishment. It's not a hunger strike. If not eating was something that gave you power with God, then every time there was a prison hunger strike, revival would break out in the prison. It's not just not eating. It's not eating, fasting, and prayer. Man lost his place with God through food. God told him, don't touch that fruit from the tree and People did what they did best. They ate. I mean, how? How do you eat the one? I'm telling you, when I see Adam, I'm going to have a hard time shaking his hand in heaven. But hey, thanks a lot. Great job over there. Hope the apple tasted good, you dummy. Amen. How do you touch the one thing God tells you not to touch? But uh, he did. And so that messed things up. Phineas Dake said, if man lost his place with God through his desire for food, wouldn't it make sense that there's something that's only gained back by pushing the food away and then taking that time that you would eat and consecrating it to prayer. Look at how you have all of these uh, Islamic jihadists marching in London, not, not, not in Iran, in London, Germany, 
Germany made it illegal for there to be Islamic protests against Israel. And two million people came out in the streets just in one city anyway. I mean, those, those countries are basically Islamic caliphates at this point. France has 43,000 empty churches in France right now. And they're getting burned down and priests getting stabbed by people saying, Alu Akbar. What about here? Are we going to allow a, a foreign, harsh religion to come into America and destroy this country? Or are the Christians going to say, I'm not just going to be a Christian in name only or on the census. I'm going to take 2024 and press into God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for things that instead of asking the government or my aunt, I'm going to go to the Lord and do the things the Bible says. Present my needs before him. Ask him for what I will. Cast all my cares on him for he cares for me. I'm telling you, if you will do that, guaranteed, this is not rolling the dice. It'll work for some people. I am telling you, God is no respecter of persons. That's what the Bible says. Acts 10 34. God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, everybody say every nation. That's the nation of New Mexico, nation of old Mexico, nation of America, nation of Canada. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will revive their land. Your life can be the way you want it to be, but it can't be that way without God. There are spiritual forces against your advancement. You can't beat them. If you're battling depression, fear is a spirit. Anxiety is a spirit. You can't medicate a devil away. And America, that's why I'm off YouTube this week. Medical misinformation. Because this country now, that used to make its money off steel and oil and gas like it should, now makes it off of medicating people into oblivion. But you can't fight spiritual forces with medication. You have to have all those people that you saw prayed for. They were all going to the doctor. They couldn't do anything about their tumor. They couldn't do anything about their blood. They just said, tough luck about the stroke you won't be able to speak again but God has given you power to stand against the powers that are looking to take you down take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 9 somebody say spiritual power Mark 9 14 So you can, you can register. I'm believing for 7,000 people to fast and pray with us this year. So if you're online, you can register. We do 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you say, I don't think I could go all day without eating. You're probably right. But uh, we ask people like they did in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 20, verse 26, to do 6 a.m. The Bible says they fasted till evening, and the Lord gave them the breakthrough. If you're under 18, you don't have to fast. If you're over the age of 70, you don't have to fast. If you're pregnant, I hope you're not brain dead enough to fast while you're pregnant. But there are people who are, so we have to say it. Amen. <laughs> I'm just believing God. Eat food or I'll hit you. Amen. You have a baby in there that needs to, needs to feed. But everybody else, say this. Nobody is exempt from praying. Yeah, so even if you can't fast, you can pray. Everybody say pray. Bible says pray always. People don't pray always. People don't pray at all. People don't even pray for, over their food anymore. They just go like this. Oh, let's pray before we eat. Uh, you just look like you got a 10-second bout of constipation. All right. Say, what is prayer? I'll just define some terms since, since it hasn't been taught on. Say prayer, prayer. 
is vocal communication with God. I mean, no, even, even if we don't speak, God hears our thoughts. That's not taught in the Bible with prayer. When they made it illegal to pray, Daniel didn't stay inside and think. He went outside and prayed, and they saw him prayed and threw him in the lion's den for it. And then what happened when they threw him in the lion's den? Did he have, the, the lions wouldn't touch him. R.W. Shambuck said he made the lion's mane into a pillow. Um, ben, grab that video of the announcement for the church in Fort Worth where Clarita's mother, uh, Prophet Joyce, sent that voice message to her daughter to relay to me. I want to, I it's ready? So I want to show you something. Say this out loud. There's a supernatural realm. People are, are quick to back away from that, even in Christianity, because most people that you hear that deal with the supernatural realm are nuts. I'm talking in church. They're absolute. I don't want me to keep using the word brain dead, but I'm having trouble thinking of synonyms. They're brain dead weirdos. You know, they're always talking about the supernatural and fasting and prayer. Their husband's gone. Their children don't go to church. They're just, they've almost used spirituality as a way to mask and disguise their dysfunction in life. I hope if you've been following me since 2020, I've done a good job of role modeling for you that you can have a, a high level walk with God in the supernatural without it making you dysfunctional in society. It actually, well, let's, let, let, let's, uh, let's talk it out. Jesus, was Jesus sort of full of the power of the Holy Ghost or very full of the power of the Holy Ghost? Very full. Bible says he had the spirit without measure. Did it cause him to not be able to function in society? No. Did it cause him to only be able to function around other religious people? No, actually, it made him unable to function around religious people. It wasn't a bunch of hookers and drug dealers that put Jesus on the cross. It was religious people. So religion, the Bible says it's a sign of the last days. It'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Have nothing to do with people like that. 2 Timothy 3, 5. In the last days, Timothy, people will have a form of godliness, but they'll reject the power that would make them godly. I'm going to tell you, I'm around ministers a lot. There's very few that I feel any power on whatsoever. They're nice guys. They know the Bible. But you don't feel there are ministers. When Rodney Howard Brown walks in a room, he, doesn't, he feels different. Something walks in the room with him. And something can walk in the room with you. Just like some of you had fathers or stepfathers or a mother that would drink. And when she walked into the room or he walked into the room after he was drinking, it's like you could feel hell walk into the room. You know, someone was going to get yelled at or hit or stuff was just going to start getting smashed. And you went up to your room. You could feel an evil force with that person. Well, do you think that God has made the world where somebody can tap into demonic power? but that you can't tap in to a stronger power? No. The Bible says in the book of Romans, be not overcome with evil, but do what? Now think about it. It could say, don't be overcome with evil, but let God give you some power so that you can survive. But it doesn't say that. It says not only can you not be overcome with evil, if you tap into God's power, you can overcome evil with good. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? amen? Now, I wasn't going to do this on the last night. In my flesh, I was going to give you like a nice little message, pray a couple prayers, and then go, go pack and leave. Because I, you know, it's already uh, 10.05 p.m. In, in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to do that brunch in the morning. I don't even eat brunch. <laughs> I grew up poor. I never heard of brunch until I was like 23. 
But uh, there is a drought in your average Christian on being full of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not taking a show of hands and nothing I'm preaching is to embarrass you or make it, let you know I have the power of the Holy Ghost and you need it. You, shame on you for not having it. I'm preaching this to provoke something on the inside of you to reach for what you don't have. I made up my mind when I was eight years old. I don't want to ever have to come to the altar and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? No. Why does he have to pray? You know, if you had to go get a pastor to pray for you, why did Jesus ever come? The old system was to go to the priest and have the priest pray for you. When Jesus gave up the ghost, the first thing that happened is the veil that was in the temple that kept people out of God's presence. What happened to it? It was torn supernaturally from top to bottom that God could now. Well, I mean, it's Christmas time. What's one of the names of Jesus? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He removed the veil so that you can know God. And I'm t it, it's like you have three groups of church. You have one. That doesn't in any way get into the power of God. It's like you'd think God was Ben Franklin or George Washington. He was a good guy that lived a long time ago, and you can't have anything to do with him. Then there's a second group where the ministers have it, but the people don't have it. Then you can come for prayer. Come to our, and people need prayer. I've prayed for people every night. But that should stop after about your third Sunday. You should get a hunger that if I can spend time with God, it's not for pastors. Let me ask you a question. If the power of God was for pastors only, how come so many are so weak? How come so many lose their ministries from alcohol or sexual immorality? If you're a pastor, you have to pursue that the same way anyone else does. It's not for pastors. It's not for evangelists. It's for anyone that's hungry and thirsty to say, I don't want to live as a subject to the natural realm. I want to live with power over the natural realm. That will be your experience in 2024 in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you say a loud amen? Everybody say, pray always. We read that on one of the other nights, Luke chapter 18. Jesus told, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples this story to illustrate how they should always pray and never turn coward and quit. Always pray. Can you put it up on the screen so people know I'm not making it up? Luke 18, 1. Jesus told his disciples this story to illustrate how they should always pray and he spake a parable unto this end, that men ought always to pray and never to faint. They don't do that in America. They stop praying in America. When, when, are, when is all night prayer? When, what day is prayer? I, I tweeted something while I was here. I said, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the biggest waster of real estate in the world. Now, that sounds mean, but I heard a pastor that's in his 70s say it that has the largest church in Western Europe, so I'm in good company. People, churches build $20 million buildings, and it's used five hours a week. Two hours on Sunday, maybe less, two and a half hours on Sunday, one and a half on Wednesday night, and it sits dead empty the rest of the week. The church should be a place like this church is. This church is a hub of buzzing activity. There's a Bible college that meets here to train up young people. And you should join it. If you're young, you should join it. What are you doing with your life? I got to pray about it. Pray about what? Did you pray about working at Walgreens? Do you feel a call to work at the Paletta Bar? If you do, I'm glad because I go there every day. I'm just making a point. Why do, why do people all of a sudden have to make everything spiritual when it's doing something good? And then when the rest of their life, they just flip it around. No problem. So this church is a hub of activity. Our church in Pittsburgh 
is a hub of activity. Fort Worth, I need to figure it out because I can only be, you know, it's only a few months old. But right now, it's basically like a Sunday church that participates with us. I'm going to change that. I'm going to get staff down there. You have to walk a balance between um, planting a new church and not putting a bunch of staff down there and weakening your, your, your headquarters. So I'm, I'm working that out, but I'm going to get it worked out. Church is a place like mosques. Mosques, they pray how many times a day? Five. There's people going there. There's spiritual activity. Why is there zero spiritual activity among Christians? They do nothing, not you, I'm not beating you over the head, but there's probably somebody watching on YouTube that needs rebuke. They do nothing during the week. Let's be honest. There's no, fa- there's no day of fasting and prayer. The early church fasted two days a week. It's, it's not in the Bible. It's in church history. That because Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, then you can't have what I'm talking about. Well, the Pharisees fasted once a day, so the early church fasted twice a day. Brother Hagin fasted, uh, sorry, twice a week. Brother, uh, if you fast twice a day for the rest of your life, you'll die in about uh, a month and a half. Brother Hagin fasted two days every week when he was on the evangelistic field for 20 years. That's his own testimony. So if you use Brother Hagin like he didn't, didn't fast, he fasted. And so there has to be a return. If there, the Bible says that Satan, knowing his time was short, declared war on the children of men. You can see that. I told you earlier in the week, I'm 43. When I was young, somebody could have a drug problem for like 30 years. Cocaine problem, whatever. People have drug problems now for like 90 days and they're dead. They put fentanyl in everything. Where I live in Pittsburgh, they cut up Adderall, they cut up fentanyl into Adderall tablets. So a bunch of constants thought they were taking Adderall and they took fentanyl and all overdose. People, the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm going to tell you, your average person lives life like, like there's no devil. This church knows there's a devil. That's why there's these guys uh, in the back with cowboy hats on that are armed. But you, you know, how many people have to come into a church and shoot everybody before you make preparation to keep out wolves? Can you say amen? But people don't live like that. People are just, man, I can't believe that my accountant stole the money. You should. You should. You should believe it. You, you should be looking for it. Not that you're paranoid, but there is a devil who goes about, don't sit still, a devil that goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then what do you do? You stay on guard. The Bible says stand your ground and stay on guard. You don't have to fight him. Did Daniel fight lions in the lion's den? No. He, he had already prayed and when he laid down there, he went to sleep and those lions knew they couldn't take him out. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Whatever the devil used to take you and your family out before today, you will trample on the head of those things with ease by spiritual power in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say spiritual power. Put up on the screen, I want to refresh my memory. Ephesians 6.10. What does the Bible say? Ephesians 6.10. Does it say be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm just looking at myself for the first time. Why am I wearing a sport coat that looks like something the Joker would wear? I look like I should have white clown paint on trying to kill Batman. Finally, my brethren, what does the Bible say? Finally, do what? Now, not only are most Christians weak, there's not even a push to get them to be strong. What do you hear from the pulpit? How do you know we're all weak and broken? Well, maybe stop being that way. 
There's nothing wrong with being weak and broken, but to accept it as if it's God's will for your life is stupid. Maybe the first thing you have to buck tonight is, is a feeling in you that the Christian life is dropping your head and getting slapped around by the devil. The Bible says, this is what the apostle Paul said. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, if the Bible tells you to be strong, what should you be? But I don't have any strength. It didn't say anything about you being strong in your strength. It said to be strong in who? The Lord. Anytime, this is my 302nd or 303rd service this year that I've preached. Anytime I felt the, the tiniest bit of tiredness, I just, I don't go, oh, Lord, I feel so weak. I lift my hands and say, thank you, Father, for your unending strength that lives in me. I tap into that strength now in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Be strong in the Lord and in the power. It would say power. In the power of his might. Let's keep reading. It's probably good. What's 11? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the arrows or wiles of the devil. Does the devil have arrows? Yes. Did God make provision for you to have armor? You know, I, where you can stand against it? I saw a cool video on the way in. I probably should have pulled it because you would have enjoyed it too, I think, in, in Hobbs. Maybe not most churches. A tank was driving through Gaza, an Israeli tank, and a guy fired an RPG um, at the tank, which would, should have blown it up. And uh, mid saying, Alu Akbar, the, the rocket blew up. You know that trophy system you can get on Modern Warfare or Call of Duty? That tank had a trophy system. So it, it, it laser locked onto the rocket. I'm talking from like, like 100 feet, like, like probably from me to the sound booth. They shot it, and then that thing sprayed a shotgun blast type thing at it and blew the rocket up right there. And then they gave away their position and were cooked. That's what God gave us. Is there a devil that shoots rockets? Yes. Did God give you a trophy system in the spirit to destroy it? Yes, he did. In the name of Jesus, the last rocket that landed successfully in your life will be the last rocket that ever lands successfully in Jesus' name. If you receive that with me, take 15 seconds and celebrate it. Clap your hands, all ye people. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I will not be defeated. I will not give up and quit. All right, Ephesians 6, 11. Put on all of God's armor that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you have body armor. God's not stupid. He knows you live in a world like we live in, and he gave you armor in the spirit. You know, everybody's not touchable in the spirit. Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? In other words, if you were Jesus or Paul, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd already left. So I've made up my mind, and you should join me. I'm not going to be a nothing in the spirit. And I'm not going to be a lightweight in the spirit. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, um, a pastor. He had a big church. And my Uncle Ted told me, he said, I heard this man make a statement. He said, what Brother Hagen used to do doesn't work anymore. He said that from the platform. And he said, when I was praying, he said, I, he said, I wasn't praying about him. He has nothing to do with him. He said, the Lord told me, you know, so-and-so, that guy that said that? He said, he's a nothing in the spirit. He lost all his spiritual power. That church used to have about 5,000 people coming on Sunday, and they're down to about one service with 300 people now. There's a lot of churches like that. They're nothings in the spirit. There's people that never had any power. There's people that had power and laid it off to instead do Christmas at the movies or church at the movies or uh, leadership principles from the movie Barbie or whatever the heck people are doing. 
But I've made up my mind, I'm not going in that direction. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not patting myself on the back. But everybody would write off what I would say as me being an evangelist. No, I know you talk about the power of the Spirit. That's because you're an evangelist. When you're a pastor, it's different. Well, I don't believe you. I believe that, first of all, John Osteen was an evangelist. Joel's dead. He, had, he was yanking people out of wheelchairs on Sunday morning. Uh, Tommy Barnett, evangelist, took a church in Phoenix, built it to 5,000. The power of the Spirit works in every vein of life. Can you imagine walking in the power of the Spirit at your job and God giving you an idea that, that generates more income this year from a second stream than you've ever generated from the first stream in your life? The Holy Spirit knows where all the money is. You know, the Bible actually says, if you serve me, my, my spirit will show you where the treasures hidden in darkness are, secret riches. God knows where all the oil is. Jesse Duplantis, I told you, he was driving by property and God said, buy that property. He bought it. It ended up being the largest natural gas uh, deposit in the entire state of Louisiana. He has the largest natural gas fuel farm as a private citizen. If you walk in the spirit, everything the World Economic Forum wants to do to limit how many vehicles you can own, to make it where you don't buy a house. How many of you see all these articles that we should all have smaller homes and, and, and live together? That's the devil trying to cramp you down. God gave land to you. So the devil's looking to choke you out, but God's looking to break the choking work of that boa constrictor and then give you a blessing. You're going to taste that blessing all of 2024 in Jesus' mighty name. Let's keep reading. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on all God's armor that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So your dad's an alcoholic. You never let yourself get mad at him. You realize there's a spirit trying to destroy his life. And you'd be amazed how, how nice people are once you get the devil cast out of them. They're not the problem. The devil's the problem. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I've told you when I was preaching in Angola in the morning at Bishop Dagg's crusade that apparently some witch everybody knew came on the field and started cursing the meeting. I never stopped preaching. I know what, what, now faith is your shield. What's your attacking weapon in the spirit? The word. I just kept preaching. I knew Number one, you notice she's not doing anything that made me leave my meeting and go to where she's at and start cursing it. You're not doing anything that troubles me. It actually encouraged me when she came on the field because I thought, think of this. She's somewhere doing her witch stuff and something doesn't feel right. She's feeling blocked and she traced it to my preaching. So when she came on the field, I thought, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. I kept preaching and off she went. In fact, if the ushers didn't get her off the field, so many people had been healed in Bishop Dagg's meeting, they were going to beat her. They were yelling back at her. They were ready to punch her. I'm telling you, the whole crowd turned on her. There is a devil that attacks, but God gives you power over every attack of the devil. I tell you again, the last defeat that you saw will be the last defeat that you ever see in Jesus' name. If you receive it one more time, clap your hands to the Lord. <laughs> Rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That's the second time I told you. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, to stand. Having done all, stand. I've done everything I know to do. I just don't know what else to do. Stand. Don't quit. 
Don't cry. Don't go home. Stand. Having done all to do, stand. 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Living holy is your bulletproof vest. When you, when you get into sin, you lose your bulletproof vest, and that's bad. And your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above every last one of them, take the shield of faith. Why do those people talk about faith all the time? I heard that they choose life's a faith church. Yes, because the Bible says above all. Since when are people, I don't, I don't like all that faith. You don't like faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't go to heaven. So I would rearrange my thinking. <laughs> Above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith has the capacity, according to the Bible, to quench how many fiery darts of the wicked? So I tell you a fourth time, the last defeat that you saw will be the last defeat you ever see. Because God made provision, not for you to get you know, win 7 out of 10. You used, to be, you used to be losing 10 out of 10. Now, you, you, know, you know, praise the Lord, I'm seeing some testimonies now. No, the shield of faith has capacity to quench every fiery dart of the devil. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible is not a collection of nice quotes to encourage you. The Bible carries spiritual power that when you speak it, it actually cuts Satan. How did Jesus resist Satan in the desert? It is written. Did the devil say, no, it's not, and then hit him? No. Change the subject. He wouldn't even argue with what was written. It is written. Change the subject. It is written. Then the Bible says the devil left him alone for, the, for a season. Now, I know that. That's why when that lady came on and started cursing me, I just kept preaching. There's no way you can stay on this field with me preaching the Bible because, because it's cut you right now. That's why you felt uneasy in your little witch house. That's why you flew on your little broom and came here because you're getting cut. And the closer you get, the more you're going to get cut. Can you say amen? Say it out loud. The power is not with the devil. The power is with the church. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 18. Praying always. How often? You can't like pick which verses you like. These all work in tandem. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So I don't really have any needs to pray for. You don't have to pray when you're in need. The Bible says you can make supplication for other saints. You know, that's from that same root word, supplements. You know, most, most Americans are on some kind of supplement, vitamin D, B12. You're supplementing your nutrition. Well, the prayer of supplication brings additional nourishment to other believers. Part of the reason that we've done so well in the ministry is the prayer of supplication. There was a lady, um, her husband died. He was a good guy. My grandfather would preach with him all over the world. One time I called her out in the meeting. She's, she's 80 years old. She's still alive. And when I saw her, I prayed for her to be healed. Then when she went out under the power, I said, and I'm going to give you $1,000. And then when I said, I'm going to give you $1,000, by the Spirit, I felt to say it. I felt the Lord say, keep going. I said, okay, I'll give you $1,000, and I'll give you $1,000 every month until you go reunite with your husband. Well, she called me two years later and said, I've been trying to get in touch with you, and I must have the wrong number or something. She said, I wanted to tell you I was going to lose my apartment if you didn't send that money. This is an old Pentecostal lady. She said, so every day I take one hour and I walk around my apartment 
and say, thank you, Father, for Jonathan. Wherever he is right now, bless him. Open doors for him. Well, when she said that, I thought, oh, that makes sense why the last two years have been like a fantasy land. Makes sense why somebody dropped the plane off for me to use. Because there's some old, tightly permed hair woman in an apartment telling God that he needs to bless me and God's listening to her. Can you say amen? So you can pray. You don't just have to pray for yourself. You can pray for other people. You can pray for Pastor Dean. And you know what happens when you pray? You bring a refreshing to them. And the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Everything in the, in the spirit world is a seed. When you sow it, you reap it. So prayer doesn't bring you any money, but not everything's money. There's favor. I didn't get that jet by money. That jet that was given to me, it's not a testimony of how we were able to secure $8 million. No, no, no. It's a testimony of how a guy heard me preach and felt to give me a jet he required. Why did he feel to do that? In fact, he runs a company, that um, a nonprofit, where he wants to give jets to preachers. So I figured I'd be like the 11th one. He said, you're the first one. Why am I the first? Do I have the biggest ministry in the United States? No. Am I the handsomest? Yes. But, well, you know, that doesn't matter. It's because, everybody say it's because of grace. Oh yeah, that lady supplementing me with her prayers matters. Bob Nichols, one time the, the pastor from Fort Worth. Hallelujah. <clears throat> he came to hear me preach in Rowlett. And when I looked at him, I felt the same thing. I, we were starting the church in Pittsburgh. I needed a lot of money, but I got in the anointing and started giving it away. I said, we're going to make our first staff uh, hire for our new church. And he nodded his head. I said, it's you. And he thought, I'm, you know, I'm retired. He's in his early 80s. I said, your job is to just stay alive. I said, I'm going to put you on salary for $70,000 a year just to live. Because I didn't want him at 80 to have to go out and travel for income. Or, I, I hate that stuff. I hate that. I hate when I go to Chick-fil-A and there's an 81-year-old woman standing there on her feet with a name. I think, where's your son? Where's your daughter? How come the, if you want to work, fine. But they're not all working because they want to work. Can you say Amen. So then I gave him that uh, salary, and then he called me about five months later. I want you to know I take an hour or two. And these are people that they mean it. It's not like people on Facebook that you tell them uh, your dog's dying, and they put praying hands emoji and a sad face. I mean pray. He said, I take an hour or two every day, and I thank God for you and ask him to bless you. Well, now I got two doing that. I have Kofi doing that. He prays for me all the time. Prayer puts you in a different realm. You don't have to fight. You don't have to do everything in the flesh. You shouldn't do anything in the flesh. I, you know, I have people ask me, like, hey, how did you get, can you tell me how you got a plane? I'm like, um, wait for someone to call you and give you one. That was my plan. I don't have a plan. I've just collected the blessings of God by walking in the spirit. Just like, think of this. If you drink and do drugs and hang out at certain places, you don't try to get arrested. You don't try to get in trouble. You don't try to have somebody hit you over the head with a bottle or stab you. And you're not even the one that made them mad. Someone else made them mad, but they were drunk and they thought it was you. That's the kind of stuff that just happens by living in the flesh and being where you're not supposed to be. But I want to tell you in hops that the same way trouble used to chase you down without you trying. If you make a little switch and start walking in the spirit and living a life of prayer, the same way trouble found its way to you without trying, the blessing of God will pursue you and overtake you for the curse is to a, a fourth generation, but the blessing is to a thousand generations. I tell you a fifth time tonight, you are blessed in Jesus name. Your children are blessed in Jesus name. 2024 will not be a repeat of 
2023. You're going to go higher. You're going to go higher than your own mother thought you'd go. You're going to go higher than your own family thought you'd go. This is a time to rise up in the spirit and do exploits for God. Can you say amen? What else does Paul have? Ephesians 6, 18. Let me see it. Praying always. How often? With all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's a Bible command. And, and you know, pastors, a lot of them, not Pastor Dean, he's a great guy. I don't mean him. They should kind of be rebuked because they beat people up in the pews. They say like, um, how many of you know, like if I was a normal pastor, here's what I would say to you right now. How many of you know the Bible says we should pray all the time, but how many of you know we don't pray like we should? Then they just leave it. Well, that doesn't make it better. That's like telling somebody, how many know you should go to the gym and work out, but you don't go, so. <laughs> you should give people an on-ramp. Now, now, look at the difference between if you said that or if you said, how many of you know we need to work out and move our bodies, but we don't. But I have free gym passes at the back for everybody that wants to go and a personal trainer to sign up with. So I'm giving you the opportunity. So now if you don't work out, that's on you. But I'm giving you the opportunity to load on and do the right thing. It's wrong to just condemn people that come to church. Like, why would I rebuke you? You don't have to be here. Are you sitting with your parole officer and the judge made you come to church? Maybe two or three of you, but most of you came on your own free will. So... Why would I talk to people that on Friday night, how many of you drove 90 minutes or more to be here? Yeah. So why would I talk to people that could be anywhere and chose to be in the house? How many know we don't pray like we should? How many know we don't fast? Well, why not give people a, a, a platform to pray? So I did that. The first year that we had our church, I called all night prayer. They do that in Africa. They do it in India. Young Cho did it. Everywhere they do it, the churches go from 500 or 1,000 being a big church to like 90,000, 50,000, 100,000 being the standard large church. So they're, well, let's, let, God said he's no respect to a person. Let's do what they do overseas here. So people say, you know, what do people all say? You want anybody, you want everybody to show up, call a chicken dinner. You want nobody to show up, call a prayer meeting. Well, I thought I'm going to give Americans a chance. I like Americans. The more I travel, the more I like them. I like Arizonans. I haven't had one negative encounter in New Mexico in all the, the weeks that I've lived here. Everybody's been super nice. I have people at the hotel ask me how my service went. They don't even, they're not even Christians, just nice people. How'd your service go, Reverend? You know, stuff like that. Everywhere I go, I like, they're all different. New Mexico people are nothing like Boston people. New Mexico people take their time. They move slow. They're kind. Boston people insult as a love language. It's the only city where if somebody tells you nice haircut, you respond, shut up. <laughs> but I like it. I like all the different regions. I love this country. I love Hawaiians. I love Alaska people, all the people living up there dodging warrants in the mainland, the lower 48. I, lo I, I, I love Oregon people. Everywhere I've gone in this country, the more I drive, it's a beautiful country. It's full of awesome people. I count it a privilege to be with you for a week to invest something into your spirit. So that your children don't have to fight the battles you fought growing up. Can you say amen? So I don't have a negative view about American. Americans are all liberal. And no, they're not. There's a few that make the news every night because they knock somebody out at a Taco Bell. But there's 360 million people in this country. That's not America. 
You know, America is not everybody fighting and knocking people out. That's what the media, especially going into an election year, that's what they want. But what happened when there was that flooding in Houston, Texas? Did the black National Guards people refuse to carry white people across the water? Did Hispanic National Guardsmen refuse to help uh, uh, black people? No. I could show you one picture after another of big black National Guardsmen or just regular black citizens in Houston carrying white women and children across water and risking their life. I could find you big white guys that are carrying black people across They are trying to tear this country apart, but they're failing miserably. 2024 is not going to be a year where America gets torn apart. It's going to be a year where the devil gets shaken out of this place and revival hits this land. Can you say amen? People are great. Hispanic people are great. Black people are great. Asian people are great. Indian people are great. Pakistani people, the ones I've met, have been super nice to me. I don't have a problem with people. Some people have a problem with me. They probably probably need ice cream. Probably doesn't even have anything to do with me. Probably just hungry or whatever. I don't have a problem with anybody. Even the 400-plus people that made death threats against me during COVID and the FBI had to get involved, I forgive them. You're probably having a bad day. You probably kept CNBC on and got worked into a frenzy about COVID. I'm going to die. If they're telling you on TV all day, you're all going to die, and these people having church are going to spread a virus that kills everybody, no wonder you were mad. It wasn't your fault. You believed what they told you on the news. It's the news people's fault. Now, I don't like CNN people of any color. I don't like CNBC people, regardless of what color they are. I'm not a racist. If you're stupid, I don't like you no matter what color you are. Amen. (laughs) Pastor Dean is from a state called West Virginia. That's where my father's family is from. They have a saying in West Virginia. In West Virginia, we're not racist. We don't like you no matter what color you are. <laughs> people are great. So I thought, I bet, I bet people are full of crap. I bet if you open the church up for prayer, I bet people are hungry for, for the opportunity for someone to lead them to prayer. What did Jesus say? Or what did the disciples say to Jesus? Master, teach us to pray. You know, there's people here, you're going to want to work out in January, but the reason you're not going to go to a gym, it's not because you're not a committed person. You don't know what to do. You don't know what, where, how you go to the gym. How do you sign up? What do you do once you get there? What do you wear? You know, you're a 65-year-old woman. You don't want to be dressed like Jane Fonda from 1983. <laughs> so you don't know what to do. You need somebody to teach you what to do. Well, people want to pray. People want to win souls. But no one has taught them what to do. So the job of a minister is to take their hunger and show them what to do. We did our first all-night prayer. The first January, we opened the church during prayer and fasting. We said we're going to have a service, 7 to 10, 7 to 10.30, take a short break. And from 11 p.m. till 6 a.m., we're going to pray all night. I'd never prayed all night. I think I did one time in Bible college. So I'm just going to do it. So we did it. We put music on. We exhorted here and there out of the word, but mostly prayed. The crowd grew from the time the church service ended till six in the morning. I don't know where people came from. People were coming in from the, the Pramani Brothers restaurant across the street and came in and started praying. 
People prayed. There were more people at the prayer meeting at six in the morning than there were at the service at nine o'clock. Americans have a place in them. They've tried to knock it out of them for it was 60 years of public school indoctrination, Hollywood movies, TV shows. They have tried to turn people into godless people, but it's failed. People are actually the hungriest for God that they've ever been. And I'm telling you, if you'll come with me on a journey and channel that hunger into productive activity, you're going to see God's hand begin to move for you and your family in 2024. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the the desires of your heart that you've not realized yet, you're going to hold them in your hand in 2024. If you receive it, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands to the Lord. <laughs> Say it so your own flesh can hear it. Say, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. Say, I love, God. I love God. I'm called according to his purpose. What, what, what comes from prayer? Well, let me see what verse 19 and 20 are. I can't remember. and I, I remember they're good. And for me, pray for me that my utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's what they prayed in Acts 4 with Peter. That's what they pray. That's what Paul prayed. I have people, um, Brother Jonathan, can I pray for you? And they go to lay. I don't need hands laid on me. I'm healthy. I'm ordained in the ministry. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't need hands laid on me. So, well, then what do you want me to pray for? You don't need prayer. There's more prayer than just for needs. You don't always have to just pray to get out of a hole. What do you do after you get out of the hole? Paul said, pray that I'll preach the gospel, uh, that utterance will be given to me to preach the gospel with boldness. Now, you probably think I'm a bold preacher. Boy, Jonathan, the way you preach, you preach bold. On a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a three. I need, one of my goals is for 2024 is to be more bold. More bold. I don't preach bold enough. I, I have, I've censored myself before without thinking about it, knowing it would take me off YouTube. But now I got taken off anyway, so I'm just going to let it fly. If you think I was bold up until now, wait till next year. Can you say amen? So if you want to pray for a preacher, you can pray that. Father, open doors for Jonathan to preach. Make it more bold in his preaching. I know religious people already think he's too bold. Make him more bold. I pray the Lord would make you more bold. That the same way, you know, conservative Christians are, are strange people. I've been around them my whole life. I'm one of them. But they're strange. You know, what a, and I'm, this is not a pro-Trump rally. But what do they always say about Donald Trump, Christian? I just wish he'd, he'd dial back a lot of the stuff that he says. Yeah, but then the other side is allowed to say stuff about transgender children and that there's no such thing as a woman... Utter some of the most insane things known to men and never feel bad about it one time. But then our side needs to be careful how we talk. I don't, I don't agree with that. If the wicked side can let it fly, then we can speak very boldly the truth in love. I mean, because it's not just Trump. They say the same thing to me. You know, you, well, everything you said is right, but you can say it differently. Yeah, I don't want to. I want to say it in a way like Jesus said. Because whether anybody likes my preaching or not, not one person in 21 years has ever left my service and said, what do you think Jonathan meant when he said that? What do you think Jonathan really meant when he said that if you don't do that, you're a freaking idiot? No. Speak boldly. Let people hear it plain. You know, how many of you own a business or manage a business? Have you ever given an employee a specific, clear instruction 
And they did the exact opposite of what you told them to do. Anybody? Anybody have it happen multiple times a month? Okay. Well, if people have the capacity to do that, and they do, if they do it in work, it can end up to them losing their job. But if they do it when it comes to the things of the Bible, it ends up with them in hell. So I don't have the privilege. You know, how many of you know some of us do some things that we shouldn't do? No. The Bible doesn't talk about sin as some things we shouldn't do. It tells you adultery. It tells you drunkenness. It tells you wild parties. It tells you witchcraft. It tells you divisiveness and anger and outbursts of anger. God does that so you're very clear what the terms are to go to heaven. We need bold Christians in New Mexico. The wicked are bold about their wickedness. The righteous must be bold about their righteousness. Receive a fresh baptism of boldness from the Holy Ghost today. Can you say amen? amen? What's verse 20 say? For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly, two times in a row. A preacher should speak boldly. Now, I might step on some toes here. Just quit the ministry. I'm going to say some things that might ruffle a few feathers this morning. Go home. You're what's ruining America. It's not the Democrats that are ruining America. It's spineless Weak, watch your finger and see which way the wind's blowing preachers. They don't say, you know, a lot of people when they preach around election time, a pastor will stand up and start making pro-life comments and lose a third of his members because he's never said anything for four years and a bunch of wolves wandered among the sheep. They never got born again. They never renewed their mind to the word. And so you've allowed all these people to come in that aren't even in the faith because you preach in such a way. Think of this. Imagine having a ministry where you preach in such a way that somebody can be going straight to hell and sit in your church for four years and never feel conviction one time. I don't enjoy watching people leave my services. I, you know, I've told you before, Hobbs is a, a very enjoyable place to preach because I think a lot of you have a Catholic background and Catholics don't move during a church service. Because some, some old lady would come and break your knuckles. You can always tell when people, I did a crusade in National City, California, right on the border of California and Mexico. Normally, when I did a crusade, everybody was up moving around. It was wild, like West Virginia, Philadelphia. The, the Mexican people in National City, California, were two miles from the border. Everybody found the seat. It was just like this. They lift their hands. They stayed till the end. Stayed till after the altar call. And that, that's here. The Catholic Church put a lot of great things in people. They put a passion for God in people. They put um, a reverence for the house of God. Half the lunacy that goes on in the charismatic church would never go on in a Catholic church. Or just goof off. There, there's at least, there's a, there's a holiness to the church. They wouldn't let you bounce a basketball in a Catholic church on the marble floor. Can you say amen? I'm not converting to Catholicism. I'm just, just telling you that it puts some good things in your background. That some of you, think of what Catholicism did for your family. That a lot of your parents never went to church. But if you took the Lord's name in vain, they'd slap your mouth. We don't talk like that. We drink and get drunk and fight and get arrested, but we do not say the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> don't you think there's a degree of that that even goes on in, in, in the cartels in Mexico? Like, like you, you could do whatever you want, but if you were like saying Jesus Christ in vain a lot, somebody would probably say, look, I'm going to shoot you if you say that, you know, that's our Lord and Savior. Now let's go run some fentanyl. 
So some of you that are here, God has already done a preparatory work without you even knowing it. You had a grandma that you grew up with that prayed. You were around her. I'll tell you another thing Catholicism does while I'm auditioning to be Pope, uh, Pope Benedict's best friend. Catholics believe in miracles. Protestants don't believe in miracles. They don't believe. Even I saw one pastor, a guy got healed in his meeting and he went like this. It was me. Yeah, Protestants argue about miracles. Catholics believe in miracles. Catholics burn their toast and see Mary. Look, is that, look at that. You tell me that's not Mary. See Mary, Joseph, the whole nativity scene right on the toast. Have you noticed how many miracles we've had in these meetings in Hobbs in three years? Because people aren't fighting me on miracles. People don't get up and leave. People stay and receive from God. You're doing better than you think. You're further along than you think. I want to encourage you as you've come this far. Now turn, put your foot on the gas. You could have died. Some of you were supposed to be dead. You OD'd. You had strokes like that woman. The devil tried to take you out through alcohol or drugs or a felony. And you escaped a close call. And in your spirit, you know that an angel was what saved your life and kept you from dying. And at that moment, you said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get straight. But you only got sort of straight. But I'm asking you tonight to make up your mind now. I told you these meetings were going to be like an on-ramp into 2024. Don't wait till New Year's Eve. Right now, make up your mind. I'm going to have the best Christmas I've ever had. I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to come into January like a bull let out of a pen. The devil's not going to know what hit him. I'm going to live for God with the same tenacity that I used to live for the devil with. Now, what happens when you pray? When you pray, turn to Acts chapter 12. I had a big, I had eight points about prayer, but I'm just going to give you one point. Acts, isn't it amazing that I can preach here with you and I'll be in my bed tonight? Thank the Lord. Yeah, I'll be home at about 4.30, 5 in the morning because of the time difference. And in the old days, I'd have to wake up in the morning and drive on Telephone Pole Road and have two connections. I'd get home probably at 8 p.m. So that's an extra uh, day every time on the front end and back end of every meeting. That's a thousand extra days with my daughter before she leaves the house. Isn't God wonderful? What does a preacher need a plane for? To fly in the air. <laughs> Acts chapter 12. This feels like it's going to be the best service of the whole week. How many of you feel the Lord touching you even right now? The realm of the spirit. Acts chapter 12 verse 1. About this time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, intending to do the same, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. You know you're somebody special when they have 16 soldiers that are assigned just to guard you. But while Peter was in prison, what does it say? Well, he was in prison what? The church began to pray earnestly for him. Everybody say earnest prayer. What does that mean? Prayer can't be from the head. Prayer has to be from the heart. 
oh God, have you ever gone to church and you hear a prayer? It's like the guy, you can tell he never prays ever. I'm talking to the preacher. Let's just say a word of prayer. Oh, Father, as we gather here today, we thank you for that Christmas blessings. There's nothing in the Bible about Christmas blessings. You just sound like a character on a Hallmark movie. We ask you to be with us. Let your grace be upon us. There's nothing from the heart. It's all coming from right here. It's like when somebody talks through their nose instead of their diaphragm. Then a prayer from the heart. If you ever hear one of those, everybody say the realm of the spirit. Hannah prayed earnestly to the Lord for a son. Her mouth was moving, but no sound was coming out, and she was crying tears. Prayer from the head does nothing. Faith doesn't reside in the head. Faith resides in the heart. How do you know? Romans chapter 10. With the heart, not the head, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What do I mean faith's not in the head, faith's in the heart? That's why the secret of the early church to convert people was not to argue apologetics with the Romans. It was signs, wonders, and miracles. For example, when we were doing prayer and fasting in 2018, I've told this story before. We were watching. Uh, Camila said to me, we went to a hockey game. And Camila on the drive home goes, hey, Pa, I want to see a miracle in real life. Well, that'll kind of hurt your feelings when somebody's been in your church services for six straight years. And they go, hey, whenever you want to have a miracle, whenever you want to get around to it, I'm, I'm with you. I said, all right. I took that as a challenge. And I said, until that happens, it's actually this time of year, the two weeks in between um, like now and the new year when we start praying and fasting. So I said, well, since there's no services or anything, let me put something on YouTube. And I played A.A. Allen praying for the sick. They have it on YouTube from the 1950s under the tent. He recorded it. You can see blind children get healed and the parents freak out. You can hear deaf kids have their hearing. I mean, it's amazing. Because if you've ever seen somebody that's like totally deaf, born deaf, they have this like withdrawn look on their face many times. And then A. Allen would pray for them. Man, Lord, we just ask you, not like that. Deafness and hardness of hearing. I adjure you in Christ's name, come out. And when he'd say out, you'd see the kid go like this. And then he's mute, and their voices are real high because they've never used their vocal. Like, like telling his mom and signing, I can hear. And you talk about a mom freaking out. You're born, you know T.L. Osborne? I've told this story, I'm going to tell it a lot. T.L. Osborne went to Jamaica, and because there was not much going on in Jamaica in the early 1960s, they brought the entire deaf school from the, the Jamaican government deaf school. They brought all the students and teachers to the meeting to hear him preach. Because, you know, there's nothing going on. Some Americans coming. There's music. So they all came. They prayed for the 66 students from the deaf school. 62 heard and spoke by the end of the first night. Then the next night, they got the other four. Then the next night, all the teachers came for prayer that the Lord would give them a new job. Because the government closed down the deaf school because there were no deaf students. That's the kind of power that's coming back to the church now. God is looking for people to use like that. You're not under the power of the devil. The devil is under your feet. And he's going to get reminded that he's under your feet in 2024 in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Say with me. With the heart man believeth. So, so how do people get converted? They get converted in their heart. Um, so Camila said that, and then we were fasting and praying. I made that one of my prayer points. Lord, let there be an explosion of signs and wonders in our meetings. And then the Lord's been answering that ever since. I mean, those three miracles are from the last four weeks, and two of them I was gone. They help. 
you know, they help. If KDK News runs a story about how I'm a cult leader and a wolf in sheep's clothing and just want people's money, none of those people or their families, not only are they not going to believe it, they're going to get angry. No, that guy actually prayed for my mother and she got healed and she was paralyzed. Can you say amen? You You know what I'm telling you? That's why you read all the times in the Bible that the religious leaders got mad, but they couldn't do anything for all the people were rejoicing. They won the people over with signs and wonders. Can you say amen? Amen. So I'm teaching on communion the one night. Just teaching at about the pace I'm teaching right now. Just easy. And this lady, big lady, because you get big if you're in a wheelchair because you can't move. It's hard enough not to get big when you can move. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I walked 12 to 14,000 steps every day last week when I was in Las Vegas and gained a pound and a half. That'll make you just feel like giving up and quitting and being a guest on my 600-pound life. (laughs) Call the fire department every time you want to go to the mall. Can you please cut the wall out? I'd like to go outside. So she's bigger in a wheelchair, right? She, She can't move. So I'm not even preaching on miracles or anything. I'm serving communion. And then as I'm talking, she goes like this. You see her in a wheelchair? She just stands up. And I go, I don't think you're supposed to be able to do that, are you? And she went... I said, well, let's walk. I said, grab my arm. And she had trouble walking at first. You can see it in Acts chapter 3. Peter prayed for the crippled man. The Bible says, and he stood up. Then he went walking and leaping. You could see it with that lady on the video. She had already been moving for a little before that. Then they start running, almost like, like like watching a deer get born. They get their feet under them. Then they start moving and running, and then they start jumping. So she did that. I walked her across the front just to help her faith and come into agreement with her. And then I let go of her, and she didn't realize I had let go of her. And she's walking like this. Well, I didn't know it. Obviously, if you're, you're paralyzed, you, you, she didn't have a driver's license. Her daughter drove her. Her daughter had as much interest in church. I'm just telling you from looking at her face while I was preaching. It, not disrespectfully, but it was like, my mom likes this. She needed a ride. I think you do a pretty good job. You have good energy. That, you know. When her mom walked, when I looked back, her daughter was standing up like this. and she went like this can I be saved no altar call I wasn't asking for anybody to be saved with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and many believed on him seeing the miracles that he did I'm telling you this right now as sure as I'm standing here in a weirdly colored jacket the same way I wasn't even pressing for miracles that night I was having a communion service and they broke out You are going to have signs and wonders follow you as a believer in 2024 in a pronounced degree without trying. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. So so I found out, you know, the lady got out of her chair so easy and she was a big woman. I thought, well, maybe, you know, she must have been in a wheelchair because it hurts to walk. Because I haven't had hardly anybody healed out of a wheelchair in 21 years. She's probably just, it hurts to walk. I said, "Um, when's the last time? I said, "Were were you crippled? She said, I was bedridden. She said, I haven't been out of my house in 30 years. And her daughter said, I have to help carry her to the toilet, help carry her to the bathtub. She was completely paralyzed, and the Lord made her walk. Well, that was, a, that was Camila. God used Camila to push me. When that lady was walking, when I turned back around, Camila went like this. <laughs> to me. Like, that's what I was trying to get you to do a couple weeks ago. That's exactly what I had in mind. Somebody say, I'm going to see miracles. Somebody say, I is a miracle. miracle. Say, God's hands on my life. 
Say miracle working power is on the inside of me because the miracle worker lives on the inside of me. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God that that's going to be how it is. Yo, know, you sound good. Pray. See, you're learning to pray. Teach your mouth to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's no record. There's no record of the church praying for James. Did you read this? James was arrested and killed. Then Peter was arrested. and He's going to do the exact same thing. But then the church began to pray. People are kind of slow. It takes them a little bit to wake up. It's like people have to, that's why so many people get saved in prison. It's like it takes till they're in prison to go, shoot, I've been making some terrible decisions. I'm going to call out to God, but you don't have to do that. You can do it when you're six at Sunday school. You can do it right now on a night like tonight. You don't have to let the bottom fall out of your life before you turn to God. And so James died, no record of the church praying. Then Peter gets arrested and the church began to pray very earnestly for him. Now, if they open this church up for prayer one night a week or, or whatever, and, maybe, and I'm sure they already have prayer services. Prayer is not sitting with a journal and a Max Lucado book and writing, and we love Max Lucado, but it's not prayer. You go to some churches, even if they have prayer, they're playing light worship music. Everyone's seated. It's dead quiet. Everyone's writing and reading. That's not prayer. Prayer is vocal communication to God. So there should be volume in prayer. You don't have to shout and scream, but you have to make some noise. You have to speak. Father, I thank you. Thank you for Hobbs, New Mexico. I thank you for Pastor Dean. I pray as you've kept him healthy and strong all these years that his strength would multiply in 2024. I thank you for his wife, Pastor Kathy. I pray your hand would stay on her life and that you'd anoint her with fresh oil. In Jesus' name, keep them from all harm. You pray like that. You don't have to yell. But then if there's a room full of people doing it, it should make some noise. If it doesn't register three decibels on the uh, decibel meter, it's not a prayer meeting. It's a journaling session. Everybody say prayer is vocal. Yeah, but God knows our thoughts. Yes, but he said how to pray. Pray out loud. So the church began to pray and not just pray. They prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light. Now, how does he get out of prison? The church calls a nonprofit that provides free lawyers. No. They prayed, and an angel came and broke him out. A bright light came in, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to wake him up. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize what was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And the door opened to them of its own accord, like a, like a door at the mall, like an automatic door. The chained iron door opened to them. Of their own accord. Can you say amen? Of its own accord. So they passed through the, and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, 
the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And then they let him in, and, and the story continues. Say this out loud. There's a realm of the Spirit. I woke up on Friday in July, July 27th, I think. And the Lord, as soon as I opened my eyes, it's like I heard it thundering on the inside of me. Now is the time to start the church in Fort Worth, like now. Now means now. Okay, Lord, I'm going to talk to the board about it, our meetings. No, God will find somebody else. Can't move slow. Can't move slow in business, and you can't move slow in the ministry. God will find somebody who won't move slow. And so I talked it over with Pastor Rodney. How am I going to do two locations at once? And we just bounced ideas back and forth. And then I considered it on the flight down there. And I told our media team to make a video to announce it to the people that night. I told Adalis two hours before the people found out. There was no consultation. God didn't say, ask your wife for permission to see if you can start a church. When God talked to Abraham, he never talked to Sarah one time. So if you're a man, take control of your house. I don't talk to my, my wife. You know, I would come to church here, Pastor Dean, but my wife. Grow some balls and lead your family. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to come out, but it came out. And if you say, well, I'm never coming back here, that's fine. It's the last night of the meetings. I'm also not coming back. What kind of a weak man blames his wife for decisions? Take control of your house. And if your wife doesn't listen to you, there's, there's credibility. Well, I'm not going to preach on, on marriage. Let's stay on prayer. So I announced it that night. Now, you think you're doing something completely out of the blue. Number one, after I announced the church, now we announced J July 27th that I'm gonna, uh, we're going to start a church October 1st. We have no building. I'm telling you, I had no plans to ever do that. We have no building, no place to meet. I get called. Have you seen that beautiful church we have that we're meeting in? Yeah. They called me. Hey, I heard you're starting a church. We only use it for a Bible school. It's open on Sundays and it's open at night. If you'd like to use it, you can have it. We have at least, I mean, it's a beautiful yeah. church. That came in. And then... Three or four families that go to the church. Do you know why they go to the church? The Lord told them to move to Fort Worth and then showed them what church to go to. It was that church. So they went and said, when, did, when is church? They said, we don't have church. So they were confused. The Lord said, go to church there. There's no church that meets there. And then a few weeks later, I announced that we're starting a church October 1st and the people were already there. Before the need arises, the provision can be there ahead of time. Now, I was a little irritated when this first happened, but now that it went the way that it did, I'm actually thankful it, it did. There's a prophet, I mean a real prophet. Her name is uh, Joyce. Joyce, what's clear it is, her maiden name? Head, Prophet Joyce Head. Her husband was head of all black Pentecostal churches in North America, Canada, and the United States. So we're not talking about lightweights. She's a seasoned woman. And she's on the money. She's one of those ladies that, like, you can't just have a normal conversation with her. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's the weather? It's nice. You know, the Lord is showing me. She'll just, like, bounce in and out of it. So she called from Michigan. She called her daughter, Clarita, that you see lead, lead worship at our church, and said, will you pass this message on to Pastor Jonathan? This is before I announced I was starting the church. She never passed the message on. But then she told me, after we had announced it and after we got the building, Oh, I meant to send this to you. So everything already happened. Listen to what the Lord said in June before we ever did any. If I would have heard it in June, I went, no, I'm not doing that. Check this. Everybody say the realm of the spirit. I'm playing this for you because you don't have to live life 
in the natural. Prayer transfers your life out of the natural into the supernatural. No one prayed. James died. Church prayed. Angels took him out. Did those angels all die? Did they die or not? No. Are you assigned angels to help you? Does the believer have angels assigned to help them? Now, most churches you go to, all anybody sees is demons. I saw a demon. I had a demon. How come you never see any angels? The Bible doesn't say he orders his demons to, to go with you wherever you go. But it does say, and I'll order my angels to go with you wherever you go. Angelic help belongs to you in 2024. This is frighteningly accurate from somebody that grew up in Pentecost. This is, it is great to know that you're not doing anything by yourself. That the Lord has already gone before you. Listen to this prophecy from a month before I knew I was going to start a church. Roll it. I want you guys to be sure to tell Pastor Jonathan that I hear and feel this in my spirit. That he'll do a church in Texas. That God will supernaturally accelerate it. It will be, it will be unprecedented the way God does it. The finances, the miracles, the signs, the wonders will follow him. Because it's as if I see him with something in his hand. It's almost like a drill. It's like a drill. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost say, tell him he's hit oil. Oil. And I see it bursting up like a like a fountain. And then the building that he'll have will have a huge fountain around it. People will come from afar to be healed from that place because he would pray. He'll have people praying around the clock. Uh, it'll be like intercessors. He'll call for intercessors and they'll come. People will move and come to that spot as if that was a spot for intercessors. And they'll be anointed for the, in the same kind of way that God has anointed him. It's going to launch something that's so supernatural that it'll be like unto an Azusa. It will be miraculous. Supernaturally, and I see it and I know God's going to send him He's not going to, it's not like he's leaving Pittsburgh, but he's going to do something so supernatural and amazing in Texas that the, he, this drill, he's drilling. It's like he's going, and, 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 and the drill is almost like, I, I, I can feel it in my bones, like, oh, and he's hit oil, oil, receive the oil from the heavens in Jesus' name. She described, she didn't say there's going to be a fountain on the property. She said there's going to be a fountain all around the property. I, I didn't even know that building existed. How do you get a building? It takes 45 days for anything real estate related to go through. How do you, how do you announce you're starting a church in July 27th and, and then have a building like that? It's supernatural. Then you want to hear something more supernatural? And that building is not mine. I'm leasing it. So I'm not saying for, for that building. I go to work out in Fort Worth. I was doing 21 days of meetings. I came back from the gym and went to a coffee place called Black Rock Coffee in South Lake, Texas. I'm sitting there. I have on gym shorts, hey dudes, a t-shirt, that ridiculous medallion that I wear, and a backwards diamondbacks hat, and I'm having coffee. Two guys in suits walk in from a Baptist church, and they said, would you mind if we join you? I said, sure. So I'm thinking like, well, is this going to be one of these things where I'm starting a church? They're going to say, you know, uh, we don't need you here. This is a preacher's graveyard. They said... 
we saw that you, you started a church here. I said, I did. They said, we like you and we like what you're doing. We run all the finances. It's from a large church, one of the largest churches in the nation, not just in Texas. They said, we run the finances for that church and we want you to know whether it's the building you're at or any future building, we'll front you all the money to, to take whatever building you want because we're glad you're here. With a backwards hat, I looked like somebody that just got kicked out of a methadone clinic. They said, five million, seven million, nine million, whatever you need, just let us know and we'll front it. I said, thank you. And they got up and left. Now, that all happened in about 90 days on top of the Pittsburgh stuff. Then you have the jet video. Then a guy calls. Now, how are you going to pastor um, Pittsburgh and Fort Worth? You can't do it in a car. You can't do it on a bus. You can't do it commercially. So then I, I obey God and then get a phone call. But th this is what was given to me. Given. There's no shortage of money. It's just in the wrong hands. God is going to do something about that in 2023. I said, God is going to do something about that in 2023. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The wealth that's being kept in systems not secured by wicked men. Pause it. Will be do you say I dressed to match the plane? <laughs> do you know I didn't know what color the plane is? That's the only outfit I had clean. It's the same exact. I mean, it, it, honest to God, like the last two months, I, I've been thinking to myself, this must be what it feels like to be on drugs. Because <laughs> I've been saying stuff to people. I sound like a drug guy. Bro, a plane was given to me and I matched it with my sweater. But, okay. <laughs> I'm going to sign you up for therapy because you sound nuts. Go ahead, continue. Pop this year and flow like a mighty river into the hands of the right. Groundbreaking generational financial testimonies. The kind you'd hear about once in a lifetime in church will become the order of the day in 2023. Financially speaking, 2023 will be an extra bad year to be wicked and an amazing year to be righteous. Pause it real quick. You know, that's the December 31st service at our church. I wasn't saying all this after God gave me land in a church and a second church and a plane. I spoke it ahead of time by the Holy Ghost. Don't wait till you have what you're believing for. Start speaking the word now, and it'll all come to pass this coming year. Continue. You don't have to live life in the natural. No offering was taken for that plane. Then I never even got a chance to take an offering. I told you, I didn't get a chance to take an offering for the gas. That thing costs like, first of all, it should cost $21,000 to fill up every time. So even if someone gives you one, if somebody would have given me that plane two years ago, I'd have to give it back. Seriously. 
I'm going to gas something up for $21,000. I used to get nervous if the thing went over a hundred. So if I would have gassed that plane up three years ago and they handed me the bill for $21,000, I would have gone like this. Jesus. I see Jesus. But the Lord started stretching my faith. Actually, didn't I take a plane? I flew here commercially when I came in December, and then I took a plane home at the end. And that actually here was when I started to stretch my faith. And then what happened, and then you get it in the budget. Now we're going to save about $1.1 million from chartering planes to using that plane. And God started pushing me December 2020. I think that was one of the first times I ever took a nice jet home. Because you can't, from Hobbs to Pittsburgh, you can't take a little one. You have to take, I mean, you can. You have to stop to refuel a bunch of times. And I just see now how everything's been going on a track. And some of you have had a busted track in life. Everything's just hitting a ditch and things not working out. But those days ended. If you wanted to stay on that track, you shouldn't have come tonight. Because now you're on the track with me. And our track doesn't go into ditches. Our track takes off and goes higher and higher and higher in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, there's people in this room that one day, I'm going to go get on my plane somewhere in Fort Worth or West Palm Beach or Pittsburgh or Hobbs, and I'm going to pass you in the FBO getting on the plane you ordered. And we're going to hug each other and say, surely the Lord has done great things. Let me tell you something. Those places are not built for wicked people to use. Those places are built for God's children to use. God is going to give you the ability to fly higher than you ever thought you'd fly in Jesus' mighty name. I'm telling you ahead of time, get ready for the best year that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. I said get ready for the best year that you've ever had in Jesus' name. Get ready for the best year that you've ever had in the name of Jesus Christ. Take 20 seconds and just clap your hands and rejoice. Let the devil know you know I'm going higher. I'm going higher. Everybody say the realm of the spirit. And prayer basically is your access point to the realm of the spirit. You don't pray much. You don't see much. But you start doing what the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Then you start seeing miracles and the hand of God without ceasing. You know, it's funny. The Lord said, start a church in Fort Worth. A guy said, I have a building in Irvine, Texas. You can use it. So I called my Uncle Ted, and I said, because uh, he knew what the Lord told me. I said, actually, this guy just called me, and we, we both know him. He's a good guy. He said, I can use his building in Irving. He went, Irving is not Fort Worth. What a revelation. <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't that. There's no fountain around that building. God doesn't only have a place for you to go. God has a place for you to live. Go and live by Kareth Brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. You have commanded food. You have commanded provision. You don't have to. Mostly, it's very hard to receive what I'm preaching for some people because you've only seen your mother scrape and struggle and your father scrape and struggle and everything hard. But I'm telling you, you're going to be the first in your family that role models for the entire last name. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke is and his burden is light. You mind if I pray for you? Sorry, I missed you on uh, Wednesday. Hold this for me. Jesus. I lose the life of God in your body. 
I command you to recover from this hour. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Love you. God bless you. Would you guys support us? Be blessed in the name of Jesus. In 2024, be the best year that you've ever had. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're not going to have James' outcome where nobody prays. We're going to have Peter's outcome where we have angelic help. What did angels do for Elijah? They baked him pancakes and nourished his body. Angels, the Bible says, are they not all ministering spirits sent to help those who are the heirs of salvation? That's angels' purpose is to help me. So I want to say wherever they are, thanks for the help. Thank you for more help. Thank you for tapping people on the shoulder and causing them to do things for me that they've never done for anybody before. And you're going to hear that a lot in 2024. While someone's doing something for you, they're going to go, I can't believe I'm doing this. We've never done this for anybody before. But they're going to do it for you because there's a favor on your life. And that favor is going to increase as you increase your time in prayer. Can you say amen? I feel such a sweet anointing in this place. Thank you for angels that are in this room. Thank you for Jesus who's in this room, who said wherever two or three agree as touching anything they ask, they'll have whatever they ask. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No more fighting. No more trying to get money. Money trying to get to you. In Jesus' name. No more arguing in your marriage and strife and contention and trouble and hoping the phone doesn't ring because it's always bad news. I pray every time the phone rings, it's going to be somebody saying, you're never going to believe what happened. You're never going to believe what I heard somebody's doing for you. I tell you, in the name of Jesus, something good is going to happen to you right now. In Jesus' name. Something good is going to happen to you right now on the last day of these meetings. This lady that's in the second row right in front of me, yep, step right out to the aisle. Hand of the Lord's upon you. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. Fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Receive that fire now. That's it. Jesus' name. Everybody say the realm of the spirit. You have that um, video from my Uncle Ted queued up? This is called the realm of the spirit. I played this for our Bible college students to show them what you should do if somebody gives you the mic in a service. My Uncle Ted didn't crack jokes and say, I've been traveling uh, all for the last three weeks. Praise the Lord, we've spoken at many churches. He had a word from the Lord, very simple word from the Lord, but it loosed the anointing, and then the Spirit of the Lord started speaking, and I got on that train. I want to show you the realm that you're crossing into. You're going to hear, there's young people here, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord this coming year. 
showing you which way to walk and where to go. Showing you what house not to go into. Hey, we're all going to this house to watch a movie. And the Lord of the study, don't go. God doesn't explain himself. He's higher than having to explain himself to us. So there'll be no reason in the natural to not go. You already told everybody you're going to go, and then you're just going to have to say, you don't say, um, I, Jesus is telling me not to go to your house. Just go. I can't go to your house. I have something else to do. And when they say, what else? Say, uh, something else. Amen. <laughs> Follow his voice. If you ignore his voice, he'll quit speaking to you. He doesn't waste his time. Do what he tells you to do and do it when he tells you to do it. It's been the secret to my life. If he tells me to start a church in Fort Worth on July 27th, it's announced by dinner time. And where are we going to get a building? It's not my problem. Any more than if I worked for Verizon and they told me to start a place in Hobbs. Okay, you pay for it and you build it. You just told me to go. Can you say amen? Unless the Lord, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So God is building something. Instead of trying him to get to, to build your thing, instead of trying to get him to build your thing, figure out what he's building and get in the flow. Somebody say, get in the flow. Here's the flow. Roll it. Read the people. Even that's a flow. How come he didn't just close the service? It was midnight. Holy Ghost wasn't done. See, that used to happen in our meetings. It happened in Brother Higgins' meeting. He'd look, you have a song, don't you? Someone would come up and have a word from the Lord. There's no flow in most services. Everything's just scheduled and tight. Because there are so many dummies that would stand up and say crazy stuff. They just knocked everything out. But the church has to go back to the move of the Spirit. Can you say Amen. And, and Dr. Rodney, that, that's what he's the king of. You know, I've been sitting just enjoying a service. Jonathan Shuttlesworth's coming to preach tonight. Well, news to me. One time I'd ask him to leave his Bible on the podium. I didn't even have a Bible. And the Lord spoke to him that he's the one that has the word. And then I, didn't, I guess I got the word from my chair to the platform. There's a flow. When you wake up and the Lord puts something on your heart, you're going to have to be willing to break your plans. The Lord spoke to me to do this, but I have to pick up um, my, my friend's son from Little League. You're going to have to arrange a ride for him. You have to learn to break and do what God tells you to do. When he says, leave your nets and come follow me, that's not easy to do when you run a business. But Peter, as dumb as he was for four books, he was smart that day. He left his nets and he followed Jesus. Let everything sort itself out. Can you say amen? Go ahead, play the rest. Yeah, amen. I was just thinking of the verse of scripture where the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came in the midst of the congregation upon Jehaziel and said, the battle is not your battle, but the battle is the Lord's. And I was looking at a modern translation and it said, <clears throat> You're going to make it. Hallelujah. So if God's fighting a battle, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. The doctor tells you you're going to die. You're going to make it. If you wonder where the next dollar is coming from, you're going to make it. And it'll turn into a million. Hallelujah. 
If you wonder what you're going to do next, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're going to make it when nobody else is making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. He's never lost one fight. Glory. I'm going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to make it. Every day you wake up, you're going to make it. No matter what the world's happening tonight, we're going to make it. I dare you to say, I'm going to make it. Shout, I am making it. Right now. The battle. Not my battle. Basil, the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. I'm making it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I am making it right now. The singers are out ahead of us. I hear them singing. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Just today, the mayor of Atlanta sent me the contract for Turner Field. Hallelujah. I'm the only preacher they're letting in this year, they said. But I think I'm going to spearhead it. You go in there. Amen. Because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. We're going to make it. Hallelujah. The mayor didn't know it, but he's going to make it. Hallelujah. What he made happen for me, God's going to make happen for him. Hallelujah. Last time I was there, the mayor was Hakeem somebody. and He took me for every nickel he could get. And there was a lady that helped me. Her name was Keisha Bottoms. And I got so happy. I said, Keisha, you're the mayor now. I'm making you the mayor. And a few months after I left there, they called and said she became the mayor in January. Amen. And she was the mayor the last four years. But now the guy that's there now, he's a spirit-filled brother. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. I dare you to lift your hand and just say, Lord, I'm winning. I'm winning my battle right now. I'm making it right now. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going under. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to let anything keep me down. I'm going to make it because the battle is not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Everything's turning around for my good. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God. Then look at your neighbor and tell him, you're going to make it, 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 you're going to make it. Hey, glory to God. You are making it now. Battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. 
Spirit of the Lord said million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Hallelujah. For the years over, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. Glory to God. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. You're making it right now. You're not even faking it. You're making it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. Glory to God. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you in the midst of the congregation. He'll spin you like a top. You'll run like a, a deer. Glory to God. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. There'll be a new wind and a second breath. Glory to God. Be a fresh wind from glory. Hallelujah. Take you around the world and up and down and all around. Oh, the battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Pause it. You hear that? A fresh wind, a second breath coming from glory. It'll take you all around the world, up and down and back again. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss prophecy. <laughs> do you know Pastor Rodney hadn't left Tampa to do anything overseas up until then? Then shortly after that, where did he just get the unction all of a sudden to go hit 10 places in Africa in six weeks? Who does that? That's like a lifetime of missionary work in a month and a half. There'll be a fresh wind. I'm telling you, you can tune in to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Instead of doing your thing and asking God to help you, you can do God's thing and the help's guaranteed. Amen. Go ahead, play the rest. Did I tell you you're going to make it? Uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> no more struggling, glory Amen. to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I tell every one of you, you're going to make it. Look up to your elder brother Jesus right now. Say, Lord, thanks for helping me make it. Whatsoever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. Our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith in God. Hallelujah. The battle's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. As a dear man taught me years ago, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. Fasting and prayer, basically, with all the things I'm going to teach on it for 21 days, it gets you in the flow. It sensitizes your spirit. The flesh wars against the spirit. So what's the thing your flesh needs most? Food. Whatever, you know, that's the thing you do that it needs every day. Even someone that has a problem with, like, you don't have to do drugs. Three, even if you're a drug guy, you don't have to do drugs three times a day, four times a day, and then snack drugs in between. People just eat and eat and eat and eat. If you live in Hobbs, I don't blame you. I'm glad these meetings are only a week long. I'd have to just preach in sweatpants starting next week. <laughs> but then you weaken your flesh. You take away its strength. And the, the thing that's drowning out the voice of the Spirit gets weakened. And then the Bible says, He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto God, but he uh, speaks mysteries unto man, but speaks directly to God and buildeth himself up. So most people, their spirit's down here and their flesh is here. But then fasting puts your flesh down here and your spirit up here. Amen. Then you just start hearing the voice of the Lord. And instead of, I want to tell you this, 
Instead of setting goals for 2024, fast and pray and get instructions from God. That's easier. I didn't have a goal to start a church in Fort Worth. I got an instruction to start a church. I got an instruction to start a church in Pittsburgh. So when forces tried to move us out of that church legally, how are you going to do it? The Lord told me to start a church there, and you're going to stop the work of the Lord? Good luck. And they never could do it, and they never will do it. Because it's not my dream. I'm in God's flow. If you'll present yourself tonight as a servant of the Lord, I'm here for you to use me. Well, I'm not yet. No, I don't want to hear about what you're not good at. There's something you can do. There should be. Let me tell you. You know, I'm leaving. Let me tell you what I would tell you if I thought you were smart. And I do think you're smart. So I'm not going to talk to you like stupid. You know, try to start coming to church more. Trying to start coming to church more will do as much for you as trying to eat healthy and trying to work out. You don't try. You make a schedule and do. Can you say amen? So if you will commit, what does the Bible say? Commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. I have a question for you. If you're not on a volunteer team at this church, why not? How many times are you just going to come and receive, but give nothing? I don't mean money. Why not be a greeter? Why not work in the youth department? You have an anger problem? Be a, be a security. I'm not very friendly. Then don't be a greeter. Be a, somebody who throws people out of the meetings. Well, I don't, like, I, don't have, I don't like throwing people out. I don't like confrontation. Be a greeter. Be, some, be, what, be what ran, be the opposite of the thing that ran you out of church. Instead of somebody having an experience with some mean jerk when they come to church for the first time, their experience could be with you. Hey, how are you? So glad that you're here at Choose Life today. Plug in to church. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than spend a thousand days in the tents of the wicked. That's what David said. He didn't say, I'd rather go to the house of the Lord. Be, in a, be a contributor. Say it so your spirit can hear it. Say, I'm a contributor. You ever go to church and they, like if you went to a Spanish Pentecostal church, they would have food at the end of the service. There'd just be people all waiting to take food home. It's like the only reason they were there was for food. And their enormous jean skirts. <laughs> just coming to take. There's nothing wrong with that. They don't give away turkeys and stuff here because they don't want anybody to take them. That, that's for new people. When are you going to flip the switch instead of being a baby Christian? Grow up. There's things that were acceptable when I was a year and a half old. If I'm still pooping my pants at 43, it's not cute anymore. Let this year, if you want it to be different, if you want it to be the same, ignore everything I'm saying. If you want it to be different, there should be no days you're not here. I have business. Then get your business. If your business is so important, get it to the place where you can charter back for church and charter back. Make an, make an appointment with God in his house. Can you say amen? amen? Tell the guys at the oil field, I'm going to help you work on Sunday, but I'm going to be gone from about 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now, when I come back, I'll stay late. I'll take over for you on Monday. You guys can have an extra long lunch, and I'll work on your behalf. Let it be known that you are a real Christian. You'd be amazed. People have never met anybody like that, that actually have principles. That aren't led around by work and money and mortgages. You're led by the Holy Ghost. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
If you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want you to do that right now. Have you ever committed your whole life to Christ? I'm asking you. Or if you were honest, would you say, no, I'm half in, half out. I serve, I believe in God, I go to church, but I can't say that I'm living a pure and holy life wholeheartedly. Don't wait till December 31st. Jesus could come before that. Get on the on-ramp to a 2024 that's a miracle year by wholeheartedly committing your life to God now. If you say, Jonathan, I'm going to pray with you. If you say, Jonathan, I'd like to pray with you. I want to, I want this night, what is it, December 15th? December 15th, 15th, 2023. That's the night I got right with God and wholeheartedly committed. I'm not putting it off one more day. I'm certainly not putting it off two weeks. I'm doing that now. Let me see your hand up high. If you'll come and pray with me, let me see your hand up. I'll pray with you. I'm here for you. I flew here for you. Let's pray. I see your hand. Awesome. I see your hands. Who else? Yes. I see a young man. Who else? So I want to make tonight the night I'm, I'm, I'm surrendered to God. I have no plans but his plans. I have no thoughts but his thoughts. Who else? Before we, I see your hand. Who else? I came here for you. I want to pray with you. This is not, I'm not going to shame on you. No, no, no. It's shame on you to stay in the seat. You should be proud to come to the altar. Every person that lifted a hand and meant business with God, come join me at the front right now. We're going to pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Come right now. I'm going to pray with you. On this final night, this is your night. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. So glad you came. God bless you guys. Oh, yeah? Okay, let's pray the sinner's prayer, and then I'm going to pray for your pancreas and stuff. You guys ready to pray? Just lift your hands to God. That's a, the Bible, that's a Bible thing. I would that your men lift holy hands unto God without wrath or doubting. So we clap for everybody. You, clap, you know, you clap your hands for the Lord, but there's a thing that's reserved for God which is the lifting of hands. And it's a surrender to the Lord. So lift your hands, then say these words with me, but it's not a recital. You're talking to a living God. Say them from your heart. Say this nice and loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life, holding nothing back. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted and let me bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. From today, may you walk in the realm of the Spirit. And as you do, may everything that's of the flesh and of the enemy cease in your life. Cease in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you're going to do. Put this hand where your belly is. Keep this one lifted to the Lord. I command the life of God to come back into your pancreas. I command all your blood sugar levels to come to normal. Be whole in Jesus' name. I command all the problems that have come from this to reverse in Jesus' 
mighty name. Welcome to the family of God. I want you to sit right here at the altar. I'm going to introduce you to Pastor Dean in one second, who's going to be your pastor. In Jesus' name. One second. Where's the lady that... Let me pray for, for you. Third seat in. This is who you brought for prayer. Let me pray for you. Put your hands on your sides. The Lord's going to touch your kidneys and some of your other organs in your lower body. And he's going to give you brand new clean blood. No disease in it. And that's going to cause the, the turnaround in your health. Every unclean thing in your system, I command it, come out in Jesus' name. Be healed. Command it to quicken back to life. In the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to live and not die. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. I give you praise, O Lord. The same way you've helped me in life, help her in life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just thank the Lord for it on the way home. God's going to help you. You believe that with me? Amen. It's a fact. God doesn't like those three ladies on the video anymore than he likes you. Now, who else came from a long distance for, for prayer? All right. Here's what I'm going to do before I swing it to Pastor Dean. This, this, you've never done this, but this irritates me when it happens. Like I was preaching, I won't say what church. And I said, I'm going to pray for you right now. And God's going to touch you. You know, if all there was, if the only way to receive from God was to have the preacher lay hands on you and pray for you, then why preach at all? And why pray at all, ever, except why don't we just meet, not even do any music, and say, everybody come, grab my hands, and I'm going to pray. The word carries power. Then there are more ways to minister the power of the Spirit than laying on of hands. Though laying on of hands is a way. I've laid hands on people many nights since I've been here, and I did it this morning. But there's a flow of the Spirit. My Uncle Ted would have missed the Holy Ghost if, he, if when... Pastor Rodney called him up. He just started laying hands on everybody. There was a word that needed to go forth. That word propelled our ministry into everything that happened this year. I want you to put your hand on the affected part of your body. If you have like 11 things wrong, just put your hand on top of your head. That's your signal to God that you need an overhaul. I'm going to pray for everybody's body. When you're sick, you can't think. You know, when Jesus said to the man that was blind, what can I do for you? And he said, receive my sight. How come he didn't say, I want to be used by you. I want to travel with you. I want you to use me and make me a mighty man of God. Because when you're blind, you think about blindness. When you're losing your hearing, you think about that. That's why healing's important. Because it's like a bondage to be sick. And then when you're made well, you're free. Amen? Now, when I pray from here, it's no different than if you came in the car with me after on the way to the airport and I prayed for you there. This is prayer. Because this church I was at, I prayed for everyone like this. I explained it more than I explained it right now. And the second the service was over, this guy came up and went, I was actually hoping I could get some prayer tonight. I'm thinking, brother, what do you think I just did? I prayed for the crowd for like eight minutes hard. I was hoping I could get some prayer. You did? If you can't receive from 15 feet, why are you going to be able to receive from three feet? Can you say Amen. So reach out with your faith right now. Every eye closed. From the top of your head.
to the soles of your feet as a Christmas gift from Jesus. Receive his healing power into your body. I command your bloodstream to be clean. I command your central nervous system to be clean. I command the cartilage in your knee to grow and your knees to be limber and loose in Jesus' name. Pain in the feet, I command it to go now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.